0: You know, we've been talking about hearing God over the last couple of months, uh, that we hear him primarily through Jesus, the living word, that Jesus is what God sounds like. Jesus told his disciples, if you've seen me, then you've seen the father. And the words that I speak, he said, are not my own. They're, they're what the father who lives in me is doing in me, his work that is being done through me. And so, when we hear the words and see the works of Jesus, we are hearing and seeing the Father. He points us to Him. And then we, we looked at how we can hear God and should hear God through the written word, which is the Bible. And that is such a wonderful blessing that we have in our walk with the Lord, that as we read the written word, as we study it, as we. Um, eat on it, feast on it, the word of God, that we are to receive it for all that it is meant to be, that it is a living word, that it is like a sword sharper than a, two-edged, sharper than a two-edged sword. It is the sword of the spirit, that it is to be eaten and consumed. And we do all of this looking at Jesus through all of it. And then we looked at how God speaks to us through prophecy, just like this morning, when Grace came up and read a scripture and then said, I feel the Lord is saying to us that this is our inheritance. That is prophetic utterance. That is the Lord speaking to us and calling to our mind what he is saying. And it's never in contradiction to the written word. It is always in confirmation to what God or it should be. If it's not, then it's false prophecy. But it is affirming. It is Uh, Bible-based, and it is Christ-centric. And then we looked at how God is often still speaking to us, not in the bigness of our moments, like earth, wind, and fire. Wait, that's a group. Never mind. Earthquakes, Earthquakes, (laughs) wind, and fire. I thought I would sing, do you remember (laughs) the 21st day of... But we're in October now, so... Earthquake, wind, and fire. He speaks in a still, small voice in what one translation calls the gentle whisper or the silence that speaks loudly. It is his presence that actually alters us even more than what we might hear with our ears or perceive with our hearts. And we realize that God doesn't require dramatic manifestations to speak that his silence does not mean inactivity. He is at work and that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then last week, we looked at how we must learn as followers of Jesus to recognize the voice of the Lord. When in a culture with so many voices, we need to understand the Lord's voice. Hear, tune in on that. We need to perceive it and then discern out of that the Lord's will, and that we can walk with him, and whether we turn to the right or to the left, God is there saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now this morning, we're considering how God speaks through visions and dreams. And I have to confess to you, when I started speaking uh, in ministry, I never thought I would be speaking about this subject. Um, but I am happy to do so. I believe it is something in keeping with our vein of hearing God. Um, Dr. J. Dudley Woodbury, who is the Dean Emeritus and Professor of Islamic Studies at Fuller Theological Seminary. He is in his 90s and still alive and with us. He published in 2007 a study based on interviews with 750 Muslims, former Muslims, who became followers of Jesus. And they shared with him how their lives had changed after experiencing God's love for themselves and after reading the Bible with new eyes and also how the witness of other Christians loving one another and loving even their enemies spoke to them. These things were a big impact on these Muslims that came to Christ. But quite notably, and maybe surprisingly, a large number reported experiencing a dream that they fully believed to be from Jesus. In fact, Woodbury said that dreams were instrumental in about 40% of these Muslims who came to Christ. But in regions closed to the gospel, in particularly Muslim nations closed to the gospel, it's believed that even larger numbers of people are coming to Christ because Jesus appeared to them in their dreams. Think of that. Darren Carlson writes about one such Muslim who came to Christ, a Muslim woman who had fled her nation into Greece where she had heard the gospel by a ministry that was there, that Darren was a part of, but she struggled to believe. And she found herself despondent, torn by what her tradition taught her and what she was beginning to sense in her heart. And she found herself hiding behind her couch in her family's apartment. And she began to pray and she told Darren this prayer. She said, I prayed this way. You know what, God? Since I have absolutely no excuse, absolutely none, I have run out of excuses. I don't know what to do, but following you means I have to deny everything I have believed and everything all my family, generation after generation, believed. I can't be in the middle. I have to either follow you or not. I can't do it myself. It's just hard to make that step. I need you to help me. And then she said, as she sat there, she wasn't sure if she was awake or asleep. But as she sat there, a man in white walked into the room. And she blurted out, don't come close to me. You are holy and I'm a sinner. And the man moved closer to her and said, I am the way and the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. And she immediately believed on Jesus. All because of a vision. Jesus coming to her. That's just one of countless stories that you can read. You can just do a search. You'd be amazed at the things that God is doing, Jesus is doing in the midst of people's dreams and showing up unannounced. But Spiritual revelations have also happened closer to our home. Earlier this year, Jamie and Kathy were in Lebanon. They were with Anna there, taking steps towards what we believe is from the Lord to launch a team in Lebanon and then also support the Middle East and Eastern Africa, the teams that are operating there. And you, you may have been here to hear this story But they had difficulty getting out of Beirut to go into Nairobi, which was the next leg of their trip, where they intended to continue training with the team that was there and then make a trip into Ethiopia to meet with the new partners that many of us have met. But they couldn't get the visa. And so they sat there, having missed their flight, and as they waited, asking the Lord to intervene, they also asked him, show us what this wait means. And the team was here meeting at a night meeting while they were dealing with this in Beirut, many hours ahead. And the team began praying here in Georgia, and then that night, Sarah Gonzalez had a dream. And she dreamt that there was a woman in Lebanon who was important to this process, but who for whatever reason felt disenfranchised and that it would cause trouble in the process going forward. And so Shara shared it the next morning right away and Jamie realized the Lord helped him see who this woman was. And so in the time that they stayed in Beirut, they were able to connect with her, which was kind of phenomenal in itself, and spend time with her building deeper relationships and furthering God's purpose. And then the visa came through and Anna's moving there in two weeks. A lot of Christians are, hesitate, are hesitant to accept the legitimacy of visions and dreams, of God speaking through those things. Especially uh, those who might have a cessationist view that the things of the spirit that were operating in the apostolic age, things like prophecy and speaking in tongues and healing and visions and dreams, that belief of cessationists is that they no longer operates today. That we have all the revelation we need in the written word of God. One pastor leader that is highly respected that holds this belief said, those that adhere to such things have bad theology. I disagree with him wholeheartedly. They believe that that stopped. I don't believe that. We don't teach that here. But I do understand when you add to that concern that some people might have, that most cults, including Mormonism and Islam, were started by someone who had a dream, it does make you cringe just a little bit when people start saying, I have a dream. Not Martin Luther King Jr., of course. He had a dream. But people that get operating out of dreams and get every instruction from God by dreams make me a little nervous. But the fact remains that the Bible is full of God speaking to his servants through visions and dreams. Like in Genesis 15.1, and I'm not going to go through all these verses, but I promise you they're there. If you want them, I'll give them to you later. Genesis 15.1, when the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And then his grandson Jacob dreamed of angels ascending and descending, a stairway to heaven. Yes, that's more than a song. At the place he called Bethel, for he did not know that God was there and he met God in this place. And then later, Jacob had another dream, instructing him on how he should return to his father-in-law, Laban. And by the way, Laban, his father-in-law, was getting a dream also on how he should receive Jacob when he returned. Later on, Jacob's young son, Joseph, he had a series of dreams, didn't handle them so well, But as an adult, he grew and he was interpreting dreams in Pharaoh's court, shaping national policy for Egypt, and also saving his own family, including his father Jacob and all those brothers who sold him into slavery. Looking over in Judges, you see that Gideon's unlikely victory was foretold in a dream to his enemies, the Midianites. And God led Gideon to go and kind of spy on them. And as he was listening in, he heard them talking with fear and trembling about this dream they had had. And he knew that God had given his enemies into his hand. And then King Solomon encountered God in a dream. And God asked him, ask whatever you will. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And it so pleased God that God not only gave him wisdom, but riches and wealth and fame. And maybe in one of the most dramatic visions, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train of his robe filled the temple and the glory of God was so thick. And as he sensed all that was happening, he became aware of his own sin and he said, I am undone. I don't belong here. I am a man of unclean lips and I am of a people of unclean lips. And an angel of the Lord went and took a coal from the altar fire and came and touched his lips. And out of that vision, God called, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. God speaks in visions and dreams. What's the difference? Well, it's pretty simple. A vision is something normally when you're awake, but it's like a dream when you're awake. And a dream is like a vision when you're asleep. Not a lot of difference in the way that we respond to them. But in case you just think that these things are only for these well-known Bible characters, these leaders where God speaks to them in dreams and visions, the Lord makes clear that this type of communication is what he will use to unnamed prophets as well throughout the history of God's people, Israel. He said in Numbers 12, six, hear my words, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Now you may say, be saying, well, that's all Old Testament stuff, right? That's surely stopped. The problem with that is that when you start moving into the New Testament, dreams and visions are also still happening. And in some cases, at an accelerated rate. Like the story of Jesus' birth, it is chock full of dreams. I mean, like when Joseph was reassured to take Mary's wife and then told to, to, that the baby, the child that she was carrying was of God, born of the Spirit, all in a dream. And then said, you shall name him Jesus. And the dream that the wise men from the east had as they had worshipped Jesus and then were warned to avoid Herod on their journey home. And the dream that Joseph had urging him to take Mary and the child and flee into Egypt. And then later, another dream where God instructed him it was safe to return. It doesn't start with, stop with that part. You move into Acts. Acts 9, we see Paul being converted through a blinding vision that knocks him to the ground. And then Ananias is sent by a vision to heal him and to commission him. Then in Acts 10, you see an angel appearing in a dream to the Roman centurion, Cornelius, directing him to send for Peter. And by the way, About that same time, Peter's up on a roof, getting a vision from God, instructing him to go when they come for him. A few chapters later in Acts 16, Paul dreams of a man, probably an angel, that redirects his mission from the point that Paul was planning to go. He redirects him into Macedonia. And then just a couple of chapters later, Another dream where God encourages Paul to continue preaching in Corinth. So many dreams, so many visions. But even with all of these biblical examples, many conclude that such instances in the Bible are just anomalies, not to be taken as normal or the normal way God would communicate with his people. And in one sense, I agree. I understand that sentiment. If you're basing your whole life of following Jesus on your dreams that can easily be usurped by the enemy and distorted in your thinking, and if you're not making decisions in light of scripture, running everything through that filter, and if you're making decisions without common sense that the Holy Spirit would give us, and wisdom that comes from on high, as well as the counsel of others, then I think your path may be dangerous. If everything you gauge in how you follow Jesus must come from a dream, that's probably not the way that Jesus intends for us to live. God places us in community for a purpose. He puts us there because there are other gifts around us. The gift that we might receive needs to be balanced and checked by the gifts of our brothers and sisters that we're a part of a community with. And he also gives us discernment in the Holy Spirit and he gives us spiritual authority, leaders and pastors and parents that can help us hear the voice of the Lord whether it's in dream, vision, prophecy, or whatever, and also discern what God's will is in the midst of it. We are given these things not to abuse us or to limit us, but to care for us and protect us. And that we're to be submitted, the Bible says, one to another. And so I always get nervous if someone is unwilling to submit what they believe God is saying to the community in which they're walking. And if they're not a part of a community, if they see themselves as God's great lone ranger, commissioned to go and declare God's word to anyone and all, then I have question as to whether that's being used of God or not. If there were false prophets and apostles in Paul's day, I promise you there are today. But having said all of that, we shouldn't be surprised when God communicates in a vision or a dream. Just like we shouldn't be surprised when his power shows up in signs and wonders and people are healed, delivered, and set free. The Holy Spirit is still operating today to bring us into these things Just as the prophet Joel predicted, a primary characteristic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days would be a release of dreams and visions and young and old alike. And Peter picked up on this in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. We read about it in Acts 2, 17, and in the last days, he's quoting Joel. In the last days, it shall be, God declares... That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, I guess we can quibble about whether we're in the last days or not. I actually have heard people say that this prophecy is talking about some future point in time immediately before Jesus' return. But if that's true, why would Peter use this to explain what was happening 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost? And how is it possible that they would be in the last days and we wouldn't? I believe that God continues to speak today. And these are all means by which he is speaking. And I don't think that he's grown quiet. I think that we've grown deaf. I think that God wants us to have our ears unplugged, have our eyes opened, and our hearts receptive to what he will say. And do I think that every word that we think comes to us subjectively through prophecy, vision, or dream should be submitted and tested and and tried, yes, I do, but I think we should be open and earnestly desire that these things would happen among us, just as we earnestly desire that spiritual gifts would be ours. I believe God speaks to us today through prophecy, through words of knowledge, through visions, through dreams, not in contrast or in supplementation to the word of God, but as a means to see God's word go forth and to do what it was sent to do which is to be brought the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then the end will come. God wants us to hear his voice, to discern his will and to obey his command. I like how Pete Gregg writes about it. He says, the apostle Paul gives the church in Ephesus a glimpse into his private prayers for them. First, he asked God to give them a spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And second, that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. More than anything else, this is what we need today. Not just our eyes and our heads to see the material realm, but also the eyes and our hearts to see the spiritual realities all around. May the Lord open our eyes. May he open our, our ears. May we begin to hear him may our sons and daughters prophesy wouldn't that be glorious to hear your children declaring the glories and goodness of god wouldn't it be great that our young men would see visions and our old men would dream dreams and that includes young women and young and old women too i i pray that these things happen in our midst we are in the latter days we are in the last days and may we be attuned to what God is doing and saying. I want to close with this story about Dr. Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon and former presidential candidate. And this is not political, I promise. Dr. Ben Carson is an amazing figure. He describes himself in his book, Gifted Hands, as growing up a ghetto kid who wanted to be a doctor. And his His family was broken and he lived in a crime-ridden neighborhood. But by sheer grit, he made it to Yale University as a pre-med student, but found himself in his chemistry class, greatly struggling. And in desperation on the night before the final exam in chemistry, he prayed this, and this is from his book, either help me understand what kind of work I ought to do or else perform some kind of miracle and help me pass this exam to which every student can say, amen. <laughs> Who here has prayed that kind of prayer? <laughs> Noah said, yes, I hear you." <laughs> and then he continued studying and eventually fell asleep. And he describes what happened in his sleep this way. While I slept, I had a strange dream. And when I awakened in the morning, it remained as vivid as if it had actually happened. In the dream, I was sitting in the chemistry lecture hall, the only person there. The door opened and a nebulous figure walked into the room, stopped at the board, and started working out chemistry problems. I took notes of everything he wrote. As he awakened the next morning, he remembered his dream clearly, but he thought, well, I'm just fixated on chemistry. <laughs> but still, He thought to himself, I think I'm gonna write down everything that I remember from the dream, including the problems that he remembered being written up on the board. And then he headed off to class to sit for the exam. And here's how he described what happened. Heart pounding, I, I opened the booklet and read the first problem. In that instant, I could almost hear the discordant melody that played on TV with the Twilight Zone. In fact, I felt I had entered that never, never land. Hurriedly, I skimmed through the booklet, laughing silently, confirming what I suddenly knew. The exam problems were identical to those written by the shadowy dream figure in my sleep. He passed his pre med chemistry exam with a 97. And at age 33, became the youngest chief of pediatric neurosurgery in the United States. He reflects about all of this this way. I'd never had a dream like that before. Neither had anyone I'd ever known. And that experience contradicted everything I'd read about dreams in my psychological studies. The only explanation just blew me away. The one answer was humbling in its simplicity. For whatever reason, the God of the universe, the God who holds galaxies in his hands, had seen a reason to reach down to a campus room on planet Earth and send a dream to a discouraged ghetto kid who wanted to become a doctor. God speaks to us. He speaks through Jesus, through his written word, through prophetic utterance. He often speaks in a still small voice, something we have to learn how to recognize as we mute out the other voices all around us. And God also speaks through the unconscious, through the, 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 the unconscious thoughts that we were dreaming. He speaks to us even through visions. And I'm not proposing that we have a lexicon of dream interpreters here. I'm not proposing that we have charts and panels on how to interpret all your dreams. But I am believing that God will give us dreams and visions and that he also will give us the interpretation and that we can trust him. Maybe not every time. And quite frankly, maybe only one time or two times. But it certainly can happen. And not at the exclusion of his more external means of communication, such as the word and prophecy, but certainly he can speak to us in whatever form he chooses. For he is our shepherd, and as he said, his sheep know his voice. May the Lord speak to us in these days. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to gather at the Lord's table It's something we do on the first Sunday of every month. I'm going to ask my wife to come and join with me. And as she comes, I'd like to ask those that will be helping us by serving communion this morning in the five different stations, if you could come on up and gather here around the the table, around the stage. And uh, we'll share a few moments, share the elements with you, and then release you to go to your place where others can come and join us. At the table, do you want to share about anything this morning? I
1: just want to read
0: one verse. Yeah, go for it. Y'all, come on up and gather around. It's it's cool. We're a family.
1: This is oops, sorry. This is from the Amplified Bible. Oh. Um, from First Corinthians, and it just says, pursue this love with eagerness, make it your goal, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts. And these gifts were specifically stated to edify, which means to promote spiritual growth, to speak words of courage, consolation, compassion, and comfort. That's what the visions and dreams, that's what the still small voice, that's what the living word, it's it's all designed yes. to help us with all of those things that we need to survive this life. And so I encourage you as you're coming for communion today to pursue his love. That's the context that all these things exercise in. To pursue his love with eagerness, make it your goal, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, including visions and dreams. Yes. Because they are to build you up, to promote spiritual growth, and to give you courage, consolation, compassion and comfort.
0: Amen.